Welcome to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through Chinese historical TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today, we will be discussing episode 36 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. The drama is currently available on YouTube if you would like to rewatch or follow along. If you are new to the podcast, please start with our intro to the podcast and intro to the drama podcast episodes to kind of get an understanding of what we're discussing. If you have any comments or questions, as always, please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your friends who also enjoy Chinese dramas because I'm sure they would love to uh, also hear the thoughts we have on Empresses in the Palace. Let's get started with episode 36. In the last episode, the emperor had to deal with some pressing court matters involving his brother, the 10th prince, that were resolved with some unconventional methods suggested by our main character, Jin Huan. Jin Huan acquired a new ally and is also starting to scheme against everyone. Let's start off from there. At the beginning of episode 36, Jin Huan gets word that the emperor is furious again at the 10th prince, Dun Qing Wang, so she goes to see him. More like she's been called by the eunuchs because they have no idea what to do. This time, the 10th prince requested for his long-deceased mother, noble consort Wen Xi, to be granted the title of noble dowager consort, which is somewhat of a promotion and also to be reinterred in the royal mausoleum with the other consorts. This noble consort, uh, Wen Xi or Wen Xi Guifei, died young and had a falling out with the previous emperor, Kang Xi. That emperor even decreed that she is not to be interred into the royal mausoleum. This puts our current emperor in somewhat of a bind. By agreeing to the 10th prince's demands, the emperor can appease the military generals, but this also represents a direct action against his father. His father, like I just said, directly said this woman is not to be interred in the royal mausoleum. If the current emperor says, okay, we can do this, this would be an act against filial piety. As the emperor, who should be the model of filial piety, this puts him in a very vulnerable state. Lots of uh, imperial ministers can rebuke him and say he's doing an act that is very wrong. The more frustrating part is that as soon as the 10th prince sent this request to uh, promote his mother, the general, Nian Geng Yao, who is very powerful, also delivered a request for the same thing. This infuriates the emperor because here is proof that his court ministers and generals and also royalty are forming factions right in front of him. This request is also an affront to his own mother, the Empress Dowager. How dare the 10th prince request for a dead woman to be promoted when the living dowagers in the imperial harem have it? So the, the, the women who served the previous emperor. Now, that was kind of a long-winded explanation. So Jun Huan analyzes this predicament. She asks the emperor if now is the time to take down Nian Geng Yao. 
Right now, we're not talking about the 10th prince. We're talking about Nian Gongyao, who is a celebrated military general. The reason why this is potentially problematic is because Nian Gongyao and the 10th prince getting so close could mean there might be some uh, intention of a coup. Well, the emperor says that he cannot guarantee anything. He says that he admits he only has 40% confidence that he can take down Nian Gongyao and his faction. In a rare confession, the emperor openly admits that even the emperor is subject to different factions in court and the imperial harem. Jin Huan consoles the emperor by using examples of previous Han Dynasty emperors Han Jingdi and Han Guangwudi to tell the current emperor that these previous examples had to make tough choices, but they were awarded with prosperous empires. Our emperor needs to make these similar sacrifices for long-term stability. We will discuss these two stories at the end of the episode. They're pretty interesting. Um, And also I would like to discuss what I think of Jin Huan's example here, because I don't know if one of them actually works too well. So Jin Huan shares her plan. The emperor will indeed gift the 10th prince's mother with the title of noble dowager consort and reinter her to the royal mausoleum. But not only will she be promoted, the other dowagers currently living in the imperial harem will also be granted additional titles. The emperor will use the excuse of praying for his mother, the empress dowager, to justify these promotions. Thus, the 10th prince will get what he wants, but it won't be as disrespectful as the 10th prince originally wanted. With this plan, the emperor seems mollified. Man, the emperor's facial expressions? He doesn't seem that angry to me. He, like, just from his face, but I think he's just emanating an aura that he's mad. Once again, props to our actor, Chen Jianbin for doing such a great job. Yes, he is the uh, pancake face actor, right? But he can convey these feelings very effectively. And fans, after reviewing this, say that maybe this is what an emperor should behave like with this pancake face emotion. The story about the 10th prince's mother is also a bug. In history, Wen Xi Guifei came from an extremely prominent Manchu family. She was sister to the second empress of Kangxi or Emperor Kangxi and was favored by the emperor. I mean, she had the title of noble consort, which is even higher than what Nianfei had or was what Nianfei had. Unfortunately, she died young at the age of 34. I couldn't find records of a fall from disgrace or fall from grace. So that part isn't accurate to history. Although they might have put this in in this drama right now because in the novel, the equivalent of this character did fall out of favor with the emperor's father. I did read somewhere, though, that this uh, noble consort was very, because she came from a prominent family was very arrogant, similar to Nianfei is right now. So perhaps there's some truth that the emperor didn't like her at the end, especially because his wife, the second empress, or the sister of this uh, noble consort died. 
And also her father passed away. So this lady didn't have the support of her family, which potentially could have contributed to not being in favor by the emperor. So that's, that's what I found. Outside, the empress has gotten wind of the emperor's fury, and she has come to check. But upon hearing that Jin Huan has already arrived, she decides to visit the empress dowager instead. I don't understand why, but we probably will see the results of that conversation later in the episode. Back at the emperor's study, Jin Huan makes a pretty surprising move. She requests for the emperor to restore Nianfei's title to Huafei. Now, we all know that Jin Huan hates Nianfei because she's arrogant, a terrible person in general, and also contributed to Jin Huan's miscarriage. The emperor himself is pretty surprised by this too. He acknowledges that this move must have been tough for Jin Huan, but agrees on her suggestion. He finally promises that he will get his revenge for their child. Next up, the emperor goes to visit his mother, the Empress Dowager, to discuss his thoughts about the various promotions. The Empress Dowager, Tai Ho, is pretty understanding and doesn't care very much about these titles. She says, do whatever you need to get things done and to stabilize the empire. What I like about this scene is finally for us, the viewers, all of the layers are peeled away. This mother and son duo have a frank discussion about their worries about Nian Gong Yao and why they cannot allow Nian Fei to have a child. We explained this before, but the Empress Dowager says it pretty plainly here. When Nian Fei has a child, or if Nian Fei has a child, the child's uncle... Nian Gong Yao will attempt to seize power. At that point, none of them, right now we're talking about the emperor and the empress dowager, will survive. The empress dowager now, though, pushes the emperor to go and visit Nian Fei, saying that this, right now, is what is the most important for the empire. An incredibly important point here that I want to make clear is that the empress dowager brings up the fact that it is her and her son, the emperor, who forced Nianfei to have a miscarriage all those years ago. But 10 episodes ago, in episode 26, Nianfei said that it was Duanfei, another concubine in the palace, who gave her some medicine that ultimately caused her a miscarriage. Nianfei then forced Duanfei to drink something that caused Duanfei to become infertile as part of Nianfei's revenge. What we've discovered here is that the Empress Dowager and the Emperor probably slipped some miscarriage-inducing medicine into the bowl of medicine that Duanfei gave to Nianfei. It's a lot of names here. But Duanfei was made into a scapegoat, so no one would suspect that the Emperor or anyone else were the main culprits. It's also devastating to think that for the good of the Empire, the emperor and the empress dowager killed, effectively killed this child. Only Duanfei knows that she was framed. 
I also mentioned back in episode 26 that that Duanfei was somehow protected by the emperor and the empress dowager. It's because both of them know that Duanfei is getting framed and that she is ultimately safe. Even though she is sick and lives in a rather destitute situation, there is this aura of protection around this woman. I think that's also why both of them ultimately treat Duanfei kindly because they know she's being abused by Nianfei. But for the grand plan, they can't do anything to step in. Otherwise, it would anger Nianfei and raise suspicion as to why the emperor and Empress Dowager are protecting someone who Nianfei believes caused her miscarriage. At her own palace of Yikunggong, the out-of-favor Nianfei is ecstatic to see the emperor finally arrive at her palace. She's beside herself with joy. And I do feel for her right now. We do see that she clearly, truly loves him. Which, I mean, we kind of need that after several episodes of the ladies in Hogong scheming for his attention. Pay attention, though, to what she is spending her time with before the emperor arrives. She is sitting in front of a fragrance burner, breathing in what I am assuming is the fragrance gifted by the emperor but is the cause of her infertility. Wang Yixiang. She has absolutely no idea that her most prized possession is the item that causes her so much pain. Well, the emperor spends the night with Hua Fei. And she is now back on top. The next day, at the empress's palace for the customary court greeting, Yan Fei finally arrives to greet the empress. It's interesting here that we only see Jin Huan. True to form, Nianfei immediately starts, how should I say this, taunting Jin Huan? Poor girl. Nianfei is still in her own bubble. She doesn't think about why there is a sudden change of heart from the emperor and only focus on basking in her attention that she now has the favor again of the emperor. Little does she know that the emperor actually has summoned Jin Huan's father, who was recently promoted and has been working with other officials to gather evidence against Yang Gong Yao to discuss his findings. The emperor offers Jin Huan's father the chance to see his daughter, but he politely declines. Smart man. I think this was a test for Jin Huan's father. The emperor does not want to see the imperial court get too close to the imperial harem even if that person in the imperial harem is your own daughter. Again, we have the comparison between Yang Gong Yao and Nian Fei. The next scene is a great juxtaposition of that. Nian Fei has just been restored to favor, and her maid has already come in to announce that a myriad of people would like to offer gifts to Nian Fei. Well, at least right now, Nian Fei has at least some caution and she tells her maids to be more discreet. But she only sees that her brother has regained favor too. So this really doesn't matter. This, really, this caution doesn't really hold for too long. Not long after, an official edict is declared throughout the imperial harem. Nianfei is to be restored to her previous title of Huafei. No one is surprised, least of all the empress. Note that Nianfei has only been restored to uh, Fei Hua Fei or consort, not Gui Fei or noble consort. 
We will now refer to this woman again as Hua Fei. But her real name is Nian Shilan, just to note that as well. There is a very interesting conversation happening between the Empress and Jin Huan when this edict comes through. Jin Huan starts the scene by noting that the Empress never uses any type of fragrance, but never really knows why the Empress doesn't use fragrances or scents. The Empress kindly responds that every woman likes to use fragrances, but the Emperor wants to cut these expenditures. However, the ladies of the Imperial Harem, upon seeing that Nian Fei has her lavish Huan Yixiang, will find it difficult to enforce this rule. So the Empress herself doesn't use fragrances to cut some of that cost and set an example. Jin Huan is like, that's really thoughtful and kind of you. This was a very innocuous and simple conversation. On the face of it, it does sound like the Empress is indeed trying to be kind. But I think the Empress must know that in that fragrance uh, that Nianfei or now Huafei has, there is something unappealing in there. I think the Empress must know. Because in previous episodes, we have heard the Empress say that she does not like using any type of fragrance that is not natural from fruits or flowers because you never know what has been included in man-made fragrances. I think it's really interesting this scene is in this drama. It showcases to us, the viewers, how easily the Empress is able to make herself look good in front of others, even though her real motives are quite different. I truly believe that the Empress is trying to protect herself from exposing herself to similar uh, sense and issues moving forward. Well, now we have a scene with Anling Rong and Shen Meizhuang. We haven't seen the two of them alone in a while. Once again, Anling Rong tries to play up her victim persona. They discuss the reinstatement of Hua Fei. Shen Meizhuang is extremely disappointed, but acknowledges that she doesn't spend much time with the emperor anymore, so she has little say and sway in the matter. She turns to Anling Rong and says, but you aren't the same. Listen to what Anling Rong says right here. She says, are you blaming me for Hua Fei's reinstatement? Once again, she's faulting herself or kind of trying to like play up, oh my god, the world's against me. In a one-two punch, Anling Rong's maid chimes in to say, oh, don't blame her, blame Wan Pin or Jin Huan. She was the one who suggested the plan to the emperor. Let's look at Anling Rong. She glances at Shen Meizhuang to get her reaction and then doubles down to question her maid about the validity of the news. Anling Rong tries to sow some more doubt in Shen Meizhuang's mind, but right now I'm very proud of Shen Meizhuang. She's mad at the news, but she says, I won't believe anything until I hear it directly from Jin Huan. That to me is true friendship. Shen Meizhuang knows that Anling Rong is purposefully telling her this information to get her angry so she doesn't try to fall for it. Right now, I'm like, rah, rah, go sister power. But then <laughs> immediately, Shen Meizhuang says, if Jin Huan really was the one who helped reinstate Hua Fei, then we are no longer friends. <laughs> no, I was just praising you. Girl, you need to look at the bigger picture. Well, now we have Jin Huan going to see the Empress Dowager for a visit. 
Unsurprisingly, Shemidrong is also there. Shemidrong has been spending a lot of time with the Empress Dowager as she has decided that the Empress Dowager will be where she puts her time and effort in an attempt to stabilize her position in the Imperial Palace, especially since she does not want to go back to the Emperor. The conversation between Jin Huan and the Empress Dowager is pretty tame, but after the Empress Dowager drinks some medicine and eats some snacks, the mood in the room immediately shifts. The Empress Dowager turns to Jin Huan and reprimands her for interfering at court. She is, of course, referring to the 10th Prince's request of promoting his mother at the beginning of the episode. The Empress Dowager notes that concubines are not to discuss or have any input in court matters. We rarely see the Empress Dowager this angry, or at least this direct. Jin Huan, understanding the gravity of the situation, immediately gets on her knees. She explains that the promotions of the Dowagers is a matter of the Imperial Harem, so she thought this was something that was within the purview of things that she could talk about. She dared not discuss anything about court. She's questioned, so the Empress Dowager says, are you sure that you don't have anything, like any selfish motivations for this? And Jin Huan says that her only selfish act was to ensure the health and longevity of the emperor. We discussed, like I said, that women are not allowed to discuss matters of court. If someone really wanted to make a big deal out of this, however, I feel like Jin Huan would have been in huge trouble. Upon hearing that Jin Huan really cares primarily of the emperor's health, she seems pretty appeased by this answer and backs off. Here, though, let's talk about what the Empress Dowager says. Karen, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think. The Empress Dowager says, Here, in the Imperial Harem, the Emperor is everything. When he's alive, you all have something to live for. He is heaven and earth. If he's not around, the Empress will be fine. She will be the Empress Dowager. Cao Ren, or someone like Cao Ren, at least has a daughter. But for those concubines like you two without children, you will just meet sad, lonely ends. For me, what's interesting is the Empress Dowager is saying this to both Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan. I think she's really trying to persuade the both of them to really spend and focus their time on the Emperor. Their main goal or main job right now is to birth children. Earlier, when the Empress Dowager was talking to her son, she did point out that they killed Yanfei's child. But that's just because Myung Gong Yao was too powerful. For concubines like Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang, in which their families aren't as powerful, they'd rather have these two women birth sons because they're actually, their, their family's position at court is relatively good. And Ling Rong's position is too low. So she's like, give me some grandchildren right now. <laughs> Well, I think, yes, that's important, but I think the Empress Dowager is saying this also to reiterate what is the real currency in the Imperial Harem. It's not about friendship, but the thing that will keep you alive and also, I guess, the, the way to say it is improve your career or your future here in the Imperial Harem is having children and also having the attention of the Emperor. So the two items kind of go hand in hand. Um, from this conversation, the more and more you watch this, 
you realize that there's no, it's not really about love or affection. It's just about attention in order to survive. It's kind of like a job that you have to do. That's at least what I'm taking out of it. It's the emperor, the empress dowager is saying, this is your job (laughs) to, uh, to make sure the emperor likes you. (laughs) Exactly. Well, honestly, their main job was to have children. Then the Empress Dowager drops a bombshell for Shimei Zhuang. She, the Empress Dowager, addresses Jin Huan and states, Hmm, I heard the idea to reinstate Huafei was your idea. Shimei Zhuang is stunned. This confirms what she heard from Anling Rong. Obviously, Jin Huan didn't tell her. We see Jin Huan kind of meekly staring or meekly glancing at Shimei Zhuang, she is guilty, feels guilty that she didn't tell Shimei Zhuang. Jin Huan here confesses, I guess. She said someone needed to do it. The circumstances meant that somebody had to be wronged. And I mean, she was, she says, I don't have a powerful brother. It's time for Yenfei to be back on top. The Empress Dowager praises Jin Huan for her unselfishness, but Shimei Zhuang doesn't see it this way. She storms out of the palace. Shimei Zhuang views this as a betrayal, which she's not wrong to, to think that. The Empress Dowager gives Jin Huan some advice now that they are alone. She says, being smart is both a curse and a blessing. You need to figure out how to balance your actions. Everything women do in the Imperial Harem will have an effect on court. Be cautious of what you do. Again, I think the Empress Dowager is telling her that people are noticing that she has some sway with the Emperor, especially in matters of court. This is dangerous for her. I think this also, I think this also reflects the, um, the discussion where the Emperor was like, this is the type of woman that I want, someone who's not too smart, not too dumb. Like, you have to know how to balance your um, intellect. The episode ends with Anli Rong hearing the news that Shimei Zhuang stormed out of the Empress Dowager's palace. She starts gloating because she achieved her goal. She wants to see if Shimei Zhuang and Jin Huan's friendship can survive this. Before we get to the analysis, I want to say that while yes, the Empress Dowager probably has eyes and ears everywhere, but I think that the Empress was the one. So. The Empress was the one to tell the Empress Dowager that Jin Huan has been discussing court matters. Remember how earlier in the episode, the Empress Huang Ho stopped by the Emperor's study to see if there's anything that can be done to help with his anger, but was told at the door that Jin Huan was already there. Where was her next step? Where was the Empress's next step? She says, let's go to the Empress Dowager's palace. I think that Huang Ko, the Empress, probably went to say how Jin Huan was in the study, thus tipping off the Empress Dowager that Jin Huan may have been meddling in court affairs. Because we know that the Emperor hasn't been saying all this information to his mother. So where else did she get this info? Again, she may have gotten this information from other sources, but I think, I truly think that it was uh, the Empress. All right. That was it for episode 36. There were two stories for today, both from... There are two stories for today that we want to discuss. Both are from the Han Dynasty. 
Jin Huan briefly mentions them when trying to calm the emperor down at the beginning of the episode when dealing with the request from the 10th prince. <laughs> Once again, one or two lines of dialogue from Jin Huan equates to a ton of research and discussion on our end. So let's get to it. The first is the story of Han Jingdi and Chao Cuo. What happened here? Han Jingdi was the sixth emperor of the Han dynasty. We have lots of stories from the Han dynasty. I think in the last two episodes, we've, had, we've discussed a story or an anecdote from the Han dynasty. So we have to thank the really great historians that were, I guess, uh, being promoted at that time for all of these wonderful stories. During this time period of the Han dynasty, brothers of the emperor, or at least legacy royalty, all had separate smaller kingdoms within the empire that they would rule. This meant that the central government, where the emperor rules, had limited power to rule these kings and their smaller kingdoms. So they would be called Wang, which directly translates to king, but they're like princes or, um, or lords, like dukes almost. Now, it got to the point where these smaller territories, if you would say, indeed became very, very powerful and very large. This dude, Chao Cuo, was an imperial minister slash politician who advised the emperor. This Chao Cuo character recommended reducing the power of these kings and removing some of their territories in order to increase and centralize the power of the emperor. The emperor obviously wants this and accepted this recommendation. So he began removing territories from various lords and kings. From what I've read, primarily after the lords and kings uh, committed some type of uh, mistake. But what happened was that this act by the emperor angered many of these kings, which resulted, in, unsurprisingly, in seven of them revolting against the emperor. This is what is the famous Ti Wang Zhilun, which is like the Seven Kings um, Revolt. So in order to try to appease these kings and their revolt, the emperor decided to kill Chao Tuo, the guy who made this recommendation. Even though this guy was killed, it didn't fully result in the emperor quelling the rebellion, but one could say laid the groundwork for it. Indeed, the revolt only lasted three months, and the emperor claimed victory. In the end, he was able to reduce a lot of the powers of the territorial lords and punish them for their revolt. The second is the story of Han Guangwudi, or Liu Xiu. This piece of history, or his story, is actually fascinating to me. He was the founder of the later Han Dynasty, and is a ninth-generation descendant of the first Han Emperor Liu Bang. Liu Xiu was born in 5 BC and lived until 57 CE. By the time it got to his own generation, even though he was related to the renowned first Han Emperor Liu Bang, he didn't have any royal privileges. He was basically the same as a peasant. At this time, there was civil unrest, due to the failure of the short-lived Xin dynasty. After some back and forth, Liu Xiu emerged as a claimant to the Han throne after his brother died. He married his childhood sweetheart Ying Lihua prior to uh, joining 
I guess, all the military causes. There's a famous saying that Liu Xiu said about his wife. My translation of it is as such. If I had any job, I'd want to be a city lieutenant. If I wanted to marry any woman, it would be Ying Li Hua. Well, that seems very nice. All lovey-dovey, right? He is very much declaring his love for her. Well, I think more, uh, the second part is more like if you were to marry anyone as a wife, it would be Yin Li Hua. The, the piece here is marrying as a wife because it's still, it's not like, oh, I'm going to marry her as a concubine or, um, you know, not the, not the formal wife. But unfortunately, real life was pretty cruel. Like in so many stories, the original wife, Yin Li Hua, was demoted to be a concubine or Xie. While Guo Shengtong claimed the title of the official wife, or Qi, and she eventually became the empress when Liu Xiu seized the throne. I won't spoil the rest of the story if anybody wants to do a little bit of research. It doesn't end too badly, so that we'll say that. There is a great TV show starring Yuan Hong and Lin Xinru or Ruby Lin about this emperor and this time period called Xiu Li Jiangshan. I thought it was decent. I think it's a pretty good watch. And if you don't know anything about that time period, I think this does a pretty good job. So sort of a plug. Both stories, again, reinforce the point Jin Huan was trying to make. The emperor needs to make sacrifices for the sake of the empire. I, though, personally think that the second story of Liu Xiu and his wife, Yin Li Hua, probably serves uh, the point a little bit better than the first story, because from what I've read, at least, um, like the emperor who had to kill his minister who uh, suggested removing these territorial powers wasn't too upset about it all um, and actually like killed him quite easily. It was just like, you know what, let me kill you first in order to try to quash this rebellion instead of like it being really heartbreaking. And also it didn't really, like I said that it paved the groundwork or laid the groundwork for um, uh, quelling the rebellion, but it didn't really work um, as originally planned. So I feel like Jin Huan's anecdotes really only worked on the second one. The, the first one was, I feel like not as effective. In any case though, she makes her point that sacrifices need to be made and the emperor listens to her um, on those suggestions. I will say that from this perspective, of course, we don't know what it really is like. Promoting a bunch of concubines or dowagers or older people seem a little bit more trivial compared to um, uh, these stories that Jin Huan was uh, recounting. Yeah, I agree. All right, before we close out, Kathy, what, anything else you want to discuss? Yeah, I just want to talk really briefly again about the Empress Dowager. Once again, in this episode, we see that the Empress Dowager knows all. There's one question that I have for you. Why do you think the Empress Dowager reprimanded Jin Huan in front of Shen Meizhuang? Like she could have done it when Shen Meizhuang was not around and just summoned her privately. Why do you think she did that in, so that Shen Meizhuang could see? I honestly haven't thought of 
about it, I would have assumed that it's because she, the Empress Dowager, knows that Shi Meizhuang and Jin Huan are close friends and want to see how they behave and react. What do you think? I think it's because the Empress Dowager wants to teach both of them a lesson. I think she's trying to make the point that, yes, both of you are smart, but you need to be cautious about what you do. I think right now, Shen Meizhuang is doing too little and Jin Huan is doing too much. So I think right now she's bringing both of them together to kind of say like, here is where you need to strike a balance. Actually, I think that's pretty fair. Um, and this is also serving as kind of like a warning to Shen Meizhuang because the Empress Dowager likes Shen Meizhuang that you also shouldn't be uh, meddling in or discussing affairs in the imperial court because it would it could turn out really poorly for you. Right. And honestly, I don't think the Empress Dowager was really going to punish Jin Huan. She was pretty like appeased like pretty quickly. So I don't think that was her purpose to actually punish someone, but to really just give them life lessons about how to live in the Imperial, in, in the Imperial harem. I can see that. I never thought of it that way because I, I guess if the Empress Dowager really wanted to punish Jin Huan, she, she definitely could have found any type of excuse instead of talking calmly in her palace. Right. Well, that's that for today's episode of Chasing Dramas. Let's see how long Hua Fei's favor can last now that she has all of her titles reinstated. Honestly, after doing such an in-depth analysis on her at this point, I find her attitude somewhat annoying. Like, you need to really do some introspection. Figure out why you are back in favor. No one is taking your attitude anymore. You have no idea how many people are working to kill you and bring you down right now. So kind of tone yourself down a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to having you with us in the next episode. Thank you.